Stephen, Romana, Riley. And the, those who knew him, it just, the place just fell about laughing. All the young people couldn't believe that anybody had a middle name called Romana. Uh, they loved the fact. The second one that people liked is that at the end when you sign the register and um, they say, welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Riley, and they walk down the aisle, you expect this nice soft music to come on, don't you? That's very kind of wedding-y. But back then, it was one of the new films that come out and it was a Mission Impossible music. <laughs> when he went down to the light, people just loved it, just loved that fact, and it kind of brings you back. There's a lot of Mission Impossible films now, aren't there? And a new one just about to be released in the sim- cinema. Now, many things in life can be challenging, but not actually impossible. And I'm sure that when the disciples were kind of commissioned, and the Lord kind of hinted that he was going to go away and leave them, <laughs> after his death and resurrection. And when he was hinted that he was kind of going to leave it to them, I'm sure they would have thought, is this for real, Lord? Can this really happen? So right at the end of Matthew's Gospel, we have the Great Commission. So this is the end of 28 chapters of Jesus ministering, teaching his disciples. And then right at the end, it's right at the end of the chapter, this longest Gospel, it says, Jesus came to them. And said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then, a few weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, we can recall and read the very last words that Jesus said to anybody while he was here on earth physically. We believe that these were his last words. And again, to his disciples, when he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's Jesus saying, come on, it's all nations, it's all people's groups, every generation. And then he says, it's, through, it's for the whole world. So it's as if Jesus was trying to make a point and be clear, be clear about the mission that he wanted his people to engage in. But they would have been forgiven for thinking, can this really happen? Can this really happen? Is this really possible? But let me say this, when it comes to people coming to know the Lord Jesus and following God, sometimes we think, some people will never take up that opportunity. Sometimes we, there's certain people come across, we can't really imagine them as being Christians. But in this context, Jesus says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And over these last few weeks, since the start of the year 2024, we've been looking at some of the hallmarks of Encounter Church. They're not just special to us, but things that we think are very important, like the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, prayer is very important, connecting with others is very important, um, serving is very important. Mission is one of the hallmarks, is releasing missionaries, people to be missional. And it is reckoned, as I've said before, that of all the values that a church might have, probably the hardest to maintain, it's probably twice as hard as any other value, is 
to help a church to remain missional. It's not always easy to keep that value because the changing tides of society, as we need to do things in different ways, it's not always easy to remain missional. But it's interesting that the early disciples, if they thought that, they started to learn that nothing is impossible with God. Because by the end of the apostolic period, at the end of the first century AD, it was reckoned that there was already half a million people following Jesus in the world. Which is incredible when you think of the population of the world at that time and how quickly the kingdom of God advanced. And the kingdom of God has continued to advance, hasn't it? When Jesus said, I will build my church, he kind of meant it, didn't he? It's clear that he meant it because it is happening. And it's continuing to take place. Now, I was at a, a conference recently. Now, I can't say conferences now because <laughs> if I say conference, if I say conference, Isaac stands up and says, I sound like Phil, don't I? Because I'm always at conferences. Okay, I was at this leaders event. <laughs> Let me say this, and let me say this. I reckon that before Isaac has finished his ministry, he'll have been to more conferences than me. I actually believe that. Or training events, or leading events, or whatever they may be. So I was at this leading event, leaders' event, and I came across the um, agent of uh, a tennis player called Michael Chang. Have you heard of Michael Chang? American. And he was... um, the top of his field in the kind of around the 90s, and he's just incredible um, tennis player. And I was with his agent, and he's from um, uh, America, but he originated from China. And with his agent, who was also Chinese, I thought, I'm going to ask you a question, because I've heard that about 50 million people in China have become Christians, or there's 50 million Christians in China. But the world wouldn't know that because they, they often meet in secret. So I thought, I'm going to ask him. I said, I've heard that 50 million people in China have become Christians in recent decades. And I said, do you think that is true? And he looked at me and he says, Phil, because we go to many conferences together, he said, Phil, it's more likely 100 million. And I was just so filled with joy that these believers, often meeting in secret like the early church, were remaining incredibly missional. Millions and millions of people have become Christians. Now, there's about 1.42 billion Christ- uh, people sorry, in China, which is amazing. But that is an incredible percentage. Nothing is impossible with God. And we see God's desire that the early church didn't all remain in Jerusalem, but they spread out, that they spread out. And we read in Peter's first letter to a church, to the churches in a particular area. So 1 Peter 1 verse 1, right at the start, he says this, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the knowledge of God the Father. So here's Peter writing to these believers that out of God's desire have been spread out to all these different places. So uh, the map on, wonderful, thanks, Deji. So if you see um, where Jerusalem is, on where I'm pointing in Judea, and the churches that Peter is writing to is kind of, as you walk around Cappadocia, Pontia, Galatia, 
Bithynia, they were probably about a thousand kilometers away. This was a long way in, in Jerusalem. A thousand kilometers to us is not very far now, is it? But to them, when you were walking or whatever, then that was a long way. These, these believers were really spread out. Maybe they'd wanted to stay in Jerusalem, but the Lord had his own agenda. He says, you're elected, you're special, you're chosen. Even though you're not in Jerusalem, you're still all of these things. And these places where I've sent you, they're also on the map. As far as I'm concerned, these places are also on the map. Now, as a, as a church, we're really proud to support missionaries around the world, different nations in Nepal, Cambodia, really proud of... Jordan and Natasha, who are going out to uh, Japan, really proud. But our calling is just as great to be where God has placed us. His plan, his purpose that God has for us is just as great, even if we live in Birmingham. We are all sent. Even if we kind of stay, we're still all going, aren't we? We're still all sent. And Peter writes these letters, and Paul writes these letters, to these churches that have been planted all around the known world. They were being spread out. And they would gather often in order to make sure that they remained missional. That's why they gathered. They gathered because they were scattered throughout the week for the rest of their lives. So they needed to gather in order to be built up because they were being scattered. God was going to use them. God had a great purpose for them. They needed to gather. Now, I'm sure you've heard of NASA. You've heard of NASA, haven't you? And uh, they kind of good at, they're into rockets, aren't they? They're into rockets that fly here and there and um, go to the moon. They'd like to go to Mars and all that kind of stuff. And um, I once met the head of NASA, but I'm just name dropping, so I'm going to move on pretty quickly. Charlie Bolden. But NASA, I don't even know what NASA means. You just know it as NASA. But NASA means National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Who knew that? One. <laughs> there we go. Now, the motto of NASA is this. I don't know if you know what the motto of NASA is this. It's this. At NASA, we make air and space available for everyone. That's interesting, isn't it? I thought about that for not very long. I thought, we make air and space available for everyone. So, if you're breathing, you can thank NASA. <laughs> because if you're sitting in a space, you can thank NASA. Because air and space has been their motto. Or Anyway. Now, for us, we have this incredibly high purpose, don't we? That we take the love of God and the opportunity to know Christ to everyone. To everyone. A, a wonderful church leader in America says this. There's nothing, he talked about the local church. He says, there's nothing on earth that has greater potential to change lives and carrying out the kingdom's work in our community than the local church. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. It's beautiful. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. No other organization on the earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. 
We're not perfect, are we? But there's nothing like the local church when it's working right and it's power to influence society and to extend the love of God and give the opportunity to know Christ. And Peter's letters, as Paul's letters, were to groups of Christians in local churches who were scattered. And the intention was to really encourage them and build them up. And these letters are wonderful because they're for us today, aren't they? So they're read in the local churches and we are using them today, which is amazing, isn't it? The work of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years later, wherever we are. So three things very quickly that Peter and the Lord obviously wanted to bring to these scattered churches. They wanted them to know that you are at home in the Lord. Even though you might feel far away from home, you're at home in the Lord. Home is where the heart is. In, 1 John, sorry, in John 14, verse 23, it says this, If anyone loves me, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So we're always at home in the Lord, wherever we are, because the Lord has made his home with us. And he wanted them to be assured of that. As somebody once said, it's not so much a question of who we are, but whose we are. Not just a question of where we are, but where we are in Christ. And after verse 1, Peter goes on to say, You might feel scattered, but grace and peace be yours in abundance. Wherever you are, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And let me kind of just say that to you, that uh, we will be at work tomorrow morning, or be uh, a student tomorrow morning, or even lying in bed tomorrow morning. Let me say this, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, wherever you'll be tomorrow morning and this week. And that was the message that was coming up. Your home is in the Lord. Secondly, wherever you are, it is a place to be blessed. Even if it's a place you don't really necessarily want to be, and sometimes you don't want to be at work, I'm sure. You'd like to get paid, but... But it's a place to be blessed. And Peter goes on to say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us a new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Where you are can be a place of blessing, even if it's a place you don't necessarily choose to be. You see, I love the calling of Abraham right back in the Old Testament in Genesis. And let me just read one verse. When God calls uh, Abraham, he says this, Abraham Leave your country, your people, go to the land I show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will bless you. And he goes on to say, and into inheritance, sorry, and he goes on to say that you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God says that wherever you are, you're at home in me, and I will bless you. And thirdly, wherever you are, and this comes out in these letters, wherever you are, it's a place to make a difference. It's a place to make a difference. Now, it's interesting how far from home some of them were. A thousand kilometers back then, like I say, is a long way. And many of you have come to Birmingham and you've traveled even further. How many of you have moved to Birmingham within the last five years? Quite a few of you. Hope you're picking up the accents. You might not. 
Somebody said to me when we first came to Birmingham, Wendy and I, because we came here within the last five years, somebody says this, people don't so much move to Birmingham as end up there. (laughs) I'm not too sure what people's view of Birmingham is that say that you just end up there. You don't kind of have this vision of the bullring and kind of end up there. Anyway, I don't know what that's all about. Now, I think it's wonderful that some of you have come from overseas and you've found Christ here. Isn't that wonderful? Some of you have come overseas for various reasons and you're promoting Christ. God has placed us all here for this purpose. These towns, these streets, these people, we are here because these streets are on God's map. These workplaces are on the map. These schools are on the map. These hospitals are on the map. These people are on God's heart. Joel Kamiski, in his uh, book, The Future of the Church, says this, Every community contains a population of unreached people that continues to enlarge in unprecedented numbers. Our communities are growing (laughs) with people. It is amazing, isn't it, of unreached people. People. So, how do we remain missional? Now, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I don't know whether you are a Christian. Many people here will be. But how do we remain missional? You might be new to Christianity and you just love knowing that people find out about Jesus. Some of you have been Christians for many, many years, many decades. How do we remain missional? How do we keep that missional edge? But for the remaining just few moments, let me just give one or two things that I think might help us to remain missional. The first one is this. Maintaining a missional focus, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Somebody once says this, before you tell people about God, tell God about the people. I thought, well, that's interesting. I hope you got that. Before you tell the people about God, tell God about the people. I thought, how am I supposed to go and tell the people about God? But it's amazing that when you, we start to tell God about the people, and God knows already, he starts to lay on our hearts what's on his heart. And there's just something that rises up within us. John Wesley, the great, the, headed up Methodism, and fantastic John Wesley, history of uh, Christianity, um, just one of the um, heroes of the faith, he says this, the greatest thing probably that you can do for somebody is to pray for them. Because you're releasing something of God's purpose and potential within their lives. That's why, you know, I'm excited that we're going to have the prayer room again. I'm excited that for 100 hours people are going to be praying. And even if you come, say, even if you come just, to pray for people that you know who don't know the Lord, what a great thing to do for an hour, eh? What a great thing to do for an hour. I'm sure that all of us have got people who would in that um, scenario. You could come and you could pray for the world. We've got the, we'll have the world map up. You can pray for issues that are going on in this nation. Pray for issues that are going on in other nations. And even if you come and pray for that, that is powerful and effective. And in the Bible, it tells in the Old Testament, we're to pray for the welfare of this, where God has placed us. We're there to pray. So firstly, maintaining a missional focus be prayerful. Secondly, maintaining a missional focus. Might not sound as spiritual, but it is this, be friendly. 
be friendly. That really helps us to maintain a missional focus. So if we have an agenda that this week, today, I'm, I'm really going to be, I'm really going to try to be nice to people. Because we want people to have a sense of something of the love of God. And I think that when Jesus says go into all the world, it, it wasn't meaning that we would fly around or I think it is that we would just Christians would engage with those that are around them, would connect with those that are around them. Graham Cray, the great theologian, says this we have an additional dimension. Christian discipleship is not about self interest, it is about looking out to the interests of others. And it really helps us to be missionally focused if we take the initiative to connect with people. Now, we can't just do that in a way that embarrasses the people, but there's little things that we can do with connect and show a genuine interest in people. And sometimes as Christians, we do need to be intentional in connecting with people to get out more. We need to sometimes do that. I remember my previous church, the worship group, they decided that a number of them were going to go to this local ukulele club. And I was fearing the time when the worship leader was going to ask me whether we could do some songs led by the ukulele. Thankfully, the Lord answered my prayer. I did pray. I did pray hard on that one. But simply, they just wanted to get out and connect with people. Now, it, just, it has to be something that you're interested in. If you're not interested in the ukulele, then don't do it. I wouldn't recommend it. Well, at least don't do it and then play it. But there's things that we are interested in that we can go engage with people. There's a church leader in America who I really do kind of admire, and he, he wrote this great book, and it was simply called Just Walk Across the Room. Just Walk Across the Room. How can you write a book about just walk across the room? And there's just stories of stories of people who just engage with people and people who have been interested in Christianity. Now, sometimes people aren't interested in Christianity, but it's still good to just walk across the room. Um, if you're a conference, Isaac, it's good to just walk across the room. And to engage with people. Show a genuine interest. Somebody once says this, it's not always about travelling to the other side of the world, but, but it is about crossing the road. And sometimes it is simply about crossing the road and engaging with people. Uh, Wendy and I, we're from, uh, uh, well, we spent 35 years in the northeast of England and got to know our street very well and the people in our street because we were there for 35 years. We all got to know each other, had kids, and we all brought them up. It was really good. And I remember once, and I don't know why I was doing this, but I went over the road and I knocked on the door of a lady called Anne. Now, there must have been a reason. I just don't know what the reason was. I can't remember the reason. But I knocked on her door and she opened the door and she says, Phil, I can't believe that you've come now. And I thought, awkward moment. It wasn't an awkward moment. She says, I can't believe that you have just knocked on our door. Uh, she's, she's, uh, she knew that we were Christians and she said, Phil, will you come in? I'd never been into our house. And she was... Not an emotional person, but you could tell that she was upset. And she, and she had just been off the phone to her granddaughter, Sarah, and heard the news that she'd got leukemia. Uh, this was devastating for Anne. And she said, I can't believe that you just come. I thought, don't worry about me. Um, th- this was a big thing for her. 
And she's not a person of prayer, but I thought, oh, let's, let's pray, let's pray. And so we prayed and um, left it at that and there for a few minutes. And every time I saw her after that, she would say to me, I can't believe you knocked on my door at that moment. And I can't even remember why I knocked on the door. I don't just go around knocking on people's doors. <laughs> I can't remember. But it was just the right time. Now, I'm glad to say that... Um, her granddaughter, Sarah, she went off to university. She's totally free. There's no leukemia or anything like that. And I'm not saying that's down to my prayer. Don't get me wrong. It might have turned out that way anyway. But I was just glad I was there at that moment. And we can't always predict, but as we connect with people, the Holy Spirit can do things, can't he? As we connect with people, that's the point. Be friendly. Thirdly, kind of links, maintaining our missional focus. Be compassionate. Be compassionate. People notice that. Graham Cray, again, the theologian says this, the Christian community are to seek the welfare of the city even though they may be treated as foreigners. And this has been uh, in the teaching of the Bible, even if you're in a place that's not familiar and uncomfortable, we're still to, to, to really seek the welfare of those who are around us. Now, this is a whole sermon within itself. But there may be... Uh, a people group that you're, that's on your heart, that God has placed on your heart, or a compassionate ministry that God has placed on your heart to support or to serve alongside and to take that step. And I encourage you to do it because it really helps us to engage with people in the right kind of way. Over the years, we've engaged in church with Christians Against Poverty, Safe Families, Street Pastors, there's Homeless Projects, there's Food Banks, and maybe it's a good thing to pray, God, is there a group of people that's on your heart that you want to place on my heart? Because it really does help us to maintain our missional focus. There's lots more I could say about that, but I think you get the gist of it. Then fourthly, fourthly, doing really well, maintaining a missional focus, be ready. Be ready. What does that mean? You see, well, Peter, when he writes to these churches, these early churches, he then... Um, he acknowledges, he acknowledges the fact that it's not easy for them because they were being heavily persecuted. They've been undermined, they're dying trodden. Some of them were not getting jobs that they're supposed to get jobs for. The government wasn't treating them well. But right towards the end of his first letter, he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. And the reason that people would be asking them is because within these severe difficulties of being a follower of Jesus in the early church, people would notice the joy and peace that they had in troubled situations. As they stood firm for their faith, as they still loved their enemies and served people that persecuted them, Peter knew that at some point, somebody's going to ask you, why are you different? What is different about you? What is the hope that you have within you? And people will ask that question. And it's good to be prepared to say what God means to us, the difference that the Lord has made in our lives. And it's not as if you have all this spiel and pattern that you put together. But Lord, if, if somebody asks me, and I hope that somebody will ask me today, what, what is it? that I'll say? What is it I'll share about my love for you and your love for me? So Peter says, be ready. And maintaining 
and missional focus. The last and the fifth one, I didn't say there's going to be five because you'll be sitting there thinking, five! Well, it's the five. We're on the fifth. We're on the last one. Maintaining a missional focus, this is very important. Be refreshed. Be refreshed. Get refreshed. The Bible says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to refresh us. You see, I think that God can cope with the fact that we lose our missional passion, but I think he wants us to come to him and tell him. And be honest, say, God, I'm struggling with this. I know I'm supposed to be missional. I know I'm supposed to be this passion, this compassion, but I'm struggling here. Do you know, God will answer that prayer. God loves to answer that prayer. In uh, Ezekiel chapter 26, verse, uh, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God talks to the people, prophesies to the people who have been carried off in exile to Babylon, and he says this, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and I will move you. God just loves to answer that prayer to put a new spirit within us. To take away that hardness that builds up. It can build up, can't it? We can be hard, we can be judgmental. And he says, I will take your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, Put my spirit within you afresh and move you with the kind of compassion that I have for people. And at times, that is an important prayer. Sometimes refreshing is not just feeding good. Sometimes refreshing is that God will move us to do the things that God has called us to do. Let me finish by just mentioning one bit about the early church, just to finish here, that... um, the early church in Jerusalem as well, they were being heavily persecuted. They'd seen one or two miracles and the local authorities, the f- religious people and the, the Romans didn't like the commotion of what was happening when people were being healed. And the authorities were so scared, they're saying, if this is allowed to continue, everybody's going to follow Jesus. They were panicking in Jerusalem. And They said to the the Christian leaders, to Peter and them in in the city, you're to stop telling people about Jesus. You're to stop telling people about Jesus. Otherwise, we're going to lock you up. So in Acts chapter 4, it said that the disciples all gathered together to pray. And this was their prayer. They didn't pray, Lord, stop, protect us from going to prison. Their prayer was, Lord, whatever happens... Make sure that we stay missional. Make sure that we stay on the front line. Whatever happens to us is not so much so important here, but the mission needs to continue. Make sure that whatever happens to us, whatever they say to us, whatever they do to try and present us from taking the gospel out, Lord, we pray that that, that will never happen. We pray that that will never stop. And it says, it says, with one voice, with one voice. They, they stood and they prayed, Lord, just protect us from holding back. And it says that the whole place was shaken, shaken. The whole place was shaken. It's the only time in the Bible that we kind of read with one voice, they pray like that. The whole place was shaken because they wanted to remain missional. They wanted that refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord answered that prayer. Every time they prayed it, He answered that prayer. So, 
we can blow hot and cold, but the fifthly, to remain our missional, maintain our missional focus, let's make sure we're refreshed and allow the Lord to refresh us. So I'm going to invite the, the band forward. You've listened to a lot. There's a lot of points there. Um, I hope you found it helpful. It's an important hallmark for us as followers of Christ to remain missional. And it would be good just for a moment uh, to pray into this um, as we've listened to quite a lot. Why don't we stand to our feet for a moment, and if you're able to, and you'd like to, and uh, let us pray. As ever, I say on a Sunday morning that to when somebody's speaking, that sometimes we have to join up the dots, don't we? We say, Lord, what does that mean for us? What is it, Lord, that you're saying to me? What have you been saying to me? How would you like me to respond to this? But let's pray at the moment. Let's close our eyes for a moment. And I'll uh, just leave it for a few moments for you to, out of all that's been said, if there's something that comes to mind that you want to bring to the Lord this morning, say, Lord, this is what I think that you're saying to me. Why don't you pray for the next 30 seconds for a minute and just bring that to the Lord just while the band plays gently. if your prayer this morning is Lord help me to pray for other people or your prayer this morning Lord help me to be not so much friendly but help me to just make connection more with those around me if your prayer this morning is Lord not so much to be compassionate but there's a people group that God's laid on your heart and you want to serve them in some way and your prayer is Lord how can I do this if your prayer is this morning that God will give you opportunities to tell others about his love for you and your love for them, that might be your prayer this morning. And your prayer may be, God, really refresh me, please, in this area. A mission, take my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Put a new spirit within me. If that's prayer, your prayer this morning, why don't you just raise your hands to the Lord in an attitude of receiving uh, uh, attitude of faith that you're going to receive from the Lord this morning he says these things to us because he wants to help us to equip us to give us everything we need to live for him and to serve him and I believe that as you do that that as we pray that the spirit will come and meet with you do a new thing within our hearts God wants to do new things all the time new things fresh ways Lord we do thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit, Lord God. You don't leave us to live for you and to serve you on our own. Thank you, Lord, that as you said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And Father, now we pray that we'd receive your power afresh, that your Spirit will come upon us afresh. You have a great purpose for us, Lord God, and we pray that you would lead us into a new season, Lord, 
of being effective missionally, Lord, whatever that might be. We might not be preachers or anything like that, but Lord, quietly, we can serve you and make you known. Lord, we pray that you would come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Take that heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. Move us, Lord. Move us, Lord, where you are taking us. Move us, Lord, amongst those people where we can make a difference, where you can be known through us. Lord, we thank you for those who you used to reach us, uh, to bring the good news to us, Lord. And we pray through this prayer, Lord, that you'd answer it so powerfully that this will make a difference in many people's lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.